Welcome to By the Glass, a podcast dedicated to boozy beverages and the people who make and drink them. I'm your host, Chris Paldoyan. So today's episode is going to cover a lot of different topics. It's going to cover Japanese whiskey, it's going to cover ramen, it's going to cover the bar scene of Houston, Um, but bringing it all together for us is today's guest, Christopher Huang. Christopher is someone I've known for a very long time when the podcast was just a twinkle in my eye, just a a, a pipe dream of sorts. Um, He and I had like a two-hour conversation at Bad News Bar. This was years and years ago, and in that moment, I was like, this guy like is full of amazing stories and so fun to talk to. I really would love to do a podcast at some point and he would be a perfect guest. And I'm glad, you know, I finally was able to get him on the pod. Christopher is a super cool dude, very funny. I think you'll really enjoy hearing what he has to say about making ramen, selling pho, and hospitality in general. So let's get into it. Here we go. I think you're the third or fourth guest with the name Chris on the pod. It seems to be the most popular podcast guest name, but you're the best dressed Chris. Built-in bias? Oh, for sure. 100%. (laughs) I'm loving the hat. For listeners at home, Chris is wearing a uh, flat brim Pikachu hat with um, looks like two Pikachu ears that are fully movable. That was good. Where'd you where'd you acquire the, such a hat? I can't control the movement with my brain or anything. But that's a bummer. Where'd you acquire that hat? I I think I got it at Walmart. At Walmart? Yeah. I didn't know you were Walmart Hive. I didn't know that you uh, stand Walmart. Oh, I am at Walmart like three times a week. I love Walmart. You're at Walmart right now. That's where you're recording the podcast. I from, right? <laughs> if I could, I would. <laughs> uh, I'm very very sad that they no longer do 24 hours at our Walmart. Yeah, few places do that. I mean, the Disco Kroger that we all visited in Houston on uh, Montrose, that's RIP. Yeah, uh, I think most grocery stores, supermarkets are never going back to 24 hours. Really? In the, within, the, within the near future. Yeah, there's no plans on Walmart's going back to 24 hours. I'm like, if I need something, I got to go to like Bucky's or something. <laughs> you need to go to Bucky's or you need to go to uh, fucking Whataburger. That's where you need to get everything from these days. Yeah, they should. Maybe I should. Maybe that's it's, you know, it's uh, time for us to open a 24 hour little bodega here in Houston because there's I'm here for it. Clearly, there's a hole. There's a there's a hole now. Well, you keep you keep Ninja Ramen open pretty late, right? I mean, that's technically open beyond two o'clock, right? Till two. We used to open till three Fridays and Saturdays. Upon reopening, uh, there's no necessity to do that there's no crowd right now that's like late night uh there's late night but there's no there's no post 2 a.m crowd like there used to be at all who was that post 2 a.m crowd back in the day pre-pandemic it was 95 percent just drunk people had so many people like it was actually really fun to watch and thankfully we never got like the violent type i had a very good strategy that i think that i uh, implemented at Ninja Ramen. We have a playlist that's a after midnight playlist, and it's all like '90s love ballads, Backstreet Boys, and stuff like that. Because a lot of these songs are guilty pleasures. When you're sober, you're too ashamed to like sing along with it. But when you're drunk, the whole the whole dining room is singing along. Like, Don't wanna miss a thing. Amazing. You know, you get one table going, the whole restaurant singing along to it. Love it. And you you can't. 
any like inclination towards violence that you had in your heart just kind of goes out the window. Like, how do you fight? How do you throw a punch when it's like, I'll make love to you when you want me? You know, it's like, let's not fight. You should have been the Secretary of Defense for George W., baby. We should have just been blasting some NSYNC, yeah. some Shania Twain, some fucking Backstreet Boys. That would have been the move. Right. You we know, would have solved it's, everything. It's about, it's about establishing a feeling, right? World peace, baby. Send the mood. So we set the mood. We get a lot of drunk people in there, but nobody's ever started a fight. Uh, we watch people like almost passed out. So their like, head is on the table. And they're trying that to is put in the noodles. bowl of ramen. Yeah, with the bowl of ramen. And they're trying to put the noodles from the bowl that's above their mouth, like into their mouths, while their whole head is just resting on the table. Dang. And we're often, you know, that's we have wild. to tell their friends, hey, I think it's better if y'all just catch it, call an Uber now. Uh, but this is still funny. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. It's pretty I good. will say that I was one of those people one time. I came in with a couple of winemakers uh, that were visiting from out of the country, and we had hit up a strip club previously, and it was after hours, and I think we got to you at like one forty-five. so we just like had a quick beer that none of us needed, and then ate like a bowl of ramen. Was I there? I think, I feel like I was... I feel like I saw y'all. Yeah, you you saw us, and we were we were in rough shape. It was um, and it was during the um fucking Astros. They were in like game six or something oh, like okay. that. It was the crazy long inning, and they were like, "We need to watch this game somewhere fun." And we're told that Houston has amazing strip clubs, so we were like, "All right, cool, let's do it." And we um had a great time there. Uh, had a magical evening, and we wanted to end it with like a little more food. So we came and visited y'all. And we got a bowl of ramen, and it was great. It was lovely. It yeah. was, I think, the perfect Houston experience. <laughs> they got Tacos Tierra Caliente earlier in the day. Nice. They got Michael's International, um, and then they had some ramen. It was great. Late night drunk ramen. Magical day. You know? No, that's what we're there for. We're 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 there to help people sober up just that extra bit, you know, before they go home. So. Love it. It's a service that we provide. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really a service. You're a nonprofit, you know, you're an institution within the city that is there to provide for the community at large. Yeah, that's that's what you're there to do. Uh sadly, post pandemic, we are kind of a nonprofit at this point. <laughs> dang, dang. It really do hit different. <laughs> yeah. Oof. I was telling my friend, I was like, man, I remember profits like it was a year and a half ago. And uh, I'm I'm excited. To, I'm looking forward to that day when we can when we can get that again. Yeah, you you officially became a 501c3. Yeah, yeah that's what happened. We th I thought about that. So I actually thought about creating. I'm a really weird thinker, and I always think like around the legalities. You know, you show me a law, I'm gonna okay. So what is allowed? Uh, just every time yeah. I, you show me a set of rules, I'm like, so it doesn't prohibit me from doing X Y Z. So like you know the whole. In Texas, we can't open a bar uh, or sell alcohol if you're within a certain distance of a church or whatever. So I was like, but what if I am a church, right? Like, what if I start a church? Can I sell alcohol? How do I do that? So I'm trying <laughs> to figure out. You basically charge for communion. You're like, yo, communion starts at $12 if you want the well communion. If you want the premium communion, you got to pay a little extra. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's the uh, that's the forty percent alcohol communion. Yes, you want that real blood. You want that <laughs> that typo. You want that. Yeah. You want that real good good. Yeah, and so did it work? I, I mean, how exploring. far did you get in that process? I don't think it worked, but like, how far did you get? So here's the thing, TABC. I, so I asked the legal department at TABC, and they have. I've talking to. I've talked to two different people, and both of them couldn't give me an answer. They're like, we don't know. So there, we have to get back to you about it. And both of them have failed to get back to me on it. So mm. at least it's not a straight up like, no, you can't do that. It's possible that it's, it's like, that's not our department. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's possible that it's possible to do so. And I think that would be really cool because uh, once you have a church, you could establish certain religious practices that could then sidestep certain, uh, circumvent certain laws regulations so like, no and with amy coney barrett on the bench now anything's possible for religious rights you know yeah, I mean, right you make anything happen. right and so yeah if we get challenged it could be a way but there could be you know maybe it could be like a religious ritual that is like on sundays at 9 a.m there is a alcoholic service kind of thing and right now in texas like you can't do alcohol pre 12 o'clock Right. I remember experiencing that for the first time, and it was so weird. Like signs in the grocery store saying you can't buy this wine before noon. It's it's really strange. I was like, what What does that one hour do? <laughs> I don't know. You know, like I don't know whether you classify Ninja Ramen as a bar or a restaurant or like what kind of like th like middle ground there right. is there. So I'm surprised that I was the only person to use coin barstaurant. But I think of Ninja Ramen as a barstaurant. Barstaurant? Yeah. Uh, it, you know, even physically layout, half of it's a bar, half of it's dining room. You know, I put just as much focus on the food as I do the alcohol program. Sales wise, I think marketing, just because the name Ninja Ramen, ramen is in the name. Most people don't come to Ninja Ramen unless they're looking for food. So even for the people who want our cocktails or the whiskey, they're like, cool, let's go when we want some ramen. Yeah, which probably helps with like those people that aren't coming in like super aggro when they're drunk, right? Right. Because you don't get people coming in like, let's get fucked up because they don't see you as a bar necessarily. They see you first as a restaurant. Yeah, right. So uh, I'm technically like uh, legally licensed as a bar, but I function as a restaurant. And as a church. We do about 65% of my sales is actually food. So I'm, I'm slightly food- you know, more food heavy than I is am. Is that in terms of like dollars or is that in terms of like dollars? Wow. Which says something because you've got some high end whiskeys, right? Yeah. Well, we actually charge way less than most other people for those. And it has actually a lot to do with the fact that not many people come just to drink. You know, I think if we had a lot of people come, it's like, we're going to come here to drink and they drink a lot more then they would go through my stock a lot faster. I'd have to price it just a little higher just so I can keep things on the shelves. But at the moment, it's still, I, I feel like Ninja Ramen's real stealthy ninja. Hey, I see what you did there. And uh, not a ton of people know about us. Uh, most of the times when I meet people, people introduce me to like their friends or whatever. They've never heard of me. They've never heard of Ninja Ramen. They've heard of like three or four other ramen shops, never heard of mine. And that's my own fault for lack of marketing. Uh, but we're doing okay, you know, because we're such a small space and we get enough. So I'm not really worried about that. Well, I think what's challenging is you're on Washington Avenue, which is you're surrounded by a lot of really shitty like frat bars. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're like the, not to shoot shots at anyone or blow smoke, but like 
you're surrounded by a lot of like bozo bars where people are playing like cornhole and drinking, you know, shitty overpriced vodka sodas, right? Yeah, uh, it's a different, we're a very unique niche concept, especially in that corridor. You're way more diplomatic about it than (laughs) that's great. I think you got to be nice about the neighbors. You got to be nice. I think there's room for every different genre, you know, and clearly if, if it wasn't for those bars, uh, our clientele would probably look a little different if they didn't exist. So I think, you know, there's room for different segments. Do you get like the accidental person that's looking for one of those other bars and they like, come in and they're like very confused that you're not playing. Yeah, like, we definitely yeah. have some of that crowd come in. It's not our primary, you know, demographic, but we do have some of those people come in. They come in, they, they're they respectful. And I think I think it has a lot to do with you walk in and it just doesn't look like a party bar. It looks like a chill Japanese, you know, bar. So, we you know, we don't even get a lot of requests for like Miller Lite and you know, Jaeger. Uh, it's it's not a commonly ordered drinks. They, a lot of times they defer. They're like, hey, I don't even know this place. I don't know this concept too much. What do y'all have? Or like, what do you, you know, like, what can you suggest to me? A lot of times they're more open. I think just looking at our back bar with the 110 Asian whiskeys that they're probably not familiar with, they're just like, oh, I'm a little bit out of my wheelhouse. You know, like, what is this? It's not just all Tito's and, and Belvedere, you know, and yeah. so it looks a little different. So a lot of times they're, you know, we haven't had, I enjoy our clientele, the people that come in. Uh, I think we're really lucky because people come in and they're respectful. Um, they respect a different culture, you know, the different cuisine and stuff like that. So I think it's pretty great. Japanese whiskey, Taiwanese whiskey, all of that has kind of jumped the shark a little bit in the sense that you have a lot of people drinking it now because Beyonce is name checking it in songs. People are seeing it in various places. It's fetishized very differently than it was 10 years ago. You know, it's grown in popularity a lot. Right. And I guess, I don't know how you navigate that situation where someone comes in and they're like, I want Japanese whiskey because I'm told it's cool versus someone who's like, knows something about it or is genuinely curious about learning why it's cool. I think the number of people who are experts on Japanese or Asian whiskey is so low. Most of them, some of them will see like a social media thing about it or, or a, an article that have like named us and they'll come in they're like, or, you know, some friend will tell them and they'll be like, Hey, I heard y'all have a great Asian whiskey selection and they see it and they get either intimidated or awed. Rarely do we have a person who brags about it. And even if they thought they knew something, you know, they're like, Oh, I, I drink Yamazaki, I drink Hibiki, but then they see all that. It's just, it floors them for a second. They're like, what, you know, tell me everything about the rest. Uh, Rarely do I get a cocky or an arrogant person about it. You know, Mm. no one's ever trying to like talk to us and teach me about what my products, you know, never had that. So, um, but it is, it is getting, gaining in popularity. But again, a lot of times people, because it's so popular and it's so hard to find on the shelves, people can't even find and purchase it for themselves. So they don't have it at home. And so when they come to my place, mm-hmm. it's still their first or second like actual exposure 
to that genre of spirits. And they can be so different, all of the different producers, whether it's Nika, Suntory, within Suntory, Hibiki versus Yamazaki. Like, you've got lots of different things. So do you have, like, a set kind of formula that you follow when it comes to asking people, like, what they're looking for in a whiskey? Are they looking to drink it neat? Are they looking to have it as a highball? Are they looking like, what are they looking for out of their whiskey experience? How do you navigate that conversation? Because I'm very used to doing it with wine. Like, do you want something light-bodied, full-bodied? Mm -hmm. Do you want white or red or pink? Like, how do you navigate that with whiskey? So with Asian whiskey, it's actually, I think it's pretty easy. And the reason why is because, so Taiwanese, it's largely Japanese whiskey and Taiwanese whiskey. And Taiwanese whiskey is heavily influenced by Japanese whiskey and their success. So it's they followed their lead at first. And Japanese whiskey was born from scotch, you know. Uh, Masataka Takatsuru learned, went to Scotland, married a Scots woman, learned how to make scotch, came back working for Suntory, and started making Japanese scotch, essentially. So they actually still purchase a lot of the grain from Scotland. A lot of the grain is actually purchased from there. How they make it a lot, how a lot of it is made in Japan. But even today, because of the boom in popularity, there are a lot of makers that are purchasing. Um, and this is a slightly controversial you know, topic, um, but they're purchasing scotch or purchasing other whiskeys from other, other sources and aging them mm -hmm. in Japan. And it's because of the lack of regulation, they can... As long as they're aging it, finishing it, barreling, bottling it in Japan, it's called Japanese whiskey. It just happened this last year where um, the Japanese whiskey makers all voluntarily formed, made an accord where they're not doing that anymore. It has to be Japanese made, like fully Japanese, distill, distilled in Japan with Japanese water and aged and bottled in japan in order for it to be called and I've, there's a whole list now but there's it's it's funny because it's voluntary but knowing the japanese culture they're going to follow you know they're they're they will just follow so it won't even they don't even need the threat of like government punishment japanese whiskeys that aren't in compliance will just straight up not call it japanese whiskey so i think that's really really good but it, it it's it's something that in over the past four or five years has been a thing and so a lot of the whiskey even on my shelves now are some of them's not distilled in japan you know a lot of the mm. uh like ey or whatever or fukanos um those are like rice made from rice and i think rice is actually rice whiskey is actually underrated you know it's, it's it tastes different and you taste it and you're like, it kind of tastes like distilled sake. And you're like, it's distilled sake. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. That's wild. Uh, I think it's underrated. Not enough people have drunk it uh, to really know about it. But I think it's a it's a sleeper uh, genre. It, it doesn't taste like the other stuff. And it's still really, really good. Uh, Fukano is making some really good ones. They have all sorts of bottlings. Uh, they have like in, in Sakura casks. They have it in, in bourbon cast. They have it in sherry cast. And it just takes on those, you know, similar to regular whiskey, I guess. But with the rice base, it's different. It's lighter. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally. It's lighter. But it, it has that rice flavor. Like you can definitely 
if you smell it, you're like, it kind of smells like sake. And you're like, it makes sense because it's made from rice. Do you remember your first time going to Japan and experiencing like a whiskey bar there? Was that kind of the inspiration for opening Ninja Ramen? I I have only visited Tokyo. And uh, that's my, you know, like I was supposed to fix that in 2020 with a three-week trip. Dang. And that got, you know, sidelined, obviously. Uh, but I've only been to Tokyo, and so I can't talk about all the other crazy experiences. And and I have a list of places that I wanted to visit all across Japan, including all the distilleries. So I've never been to the distilleries or anything like that. Um, but the reason, the inspiration behind Ninja was we have been drinking Yamazaki since college. Just one of my friends had bought this bottle back in 2002. This is in UT Austin. I was I went to I went to college at UT. And one of my good friends had this bottle of Yamazaki Japanese whiskey, and we never heard of it. Um, and so we tried it, and we we're like, "Hey, it's pretty good." And but you know, of course, we were those were the days of drinking Cuervo and that kind of stuff, right? And so we almost That's were wild. just like we felt like that was out of our league. So we would drink the Yamazaki, yeah. and we're like, "Oh, this is crazy!" But you know, in in our heads, it was like Blue Label, you know, and 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 Yamazaki, and we can. This is a treat. So we didn't really yeah. explore, but I always had that in my head of like, this is a cool product. So when I opened this open Ninja Ramen, I was like, man, I want to, I want to for sure offer a Yamazaki. And I was, I went around to, and it had been a little while since I've had it. So I went to some other bars, and I noticed that most bars didn't have more than like three Japanese whiskeys. You know, they might have had like. Yamazaki and Hibiki, two bottles. Yeah. That's it. And I was like, hey, I could do this, you know, do the thing. So I specifically designed it. We were the first and only, you know, Japanese spirits based bar that I could think of in, in the state of Texas. No one else had a had such a focus on it um, at the time. Yeah. Um, I think Kadorobata had a lot of them. But it wasn't a focus. And I was like, we're just going to focus on this. This is going to be the main, you know, purpose. And at that time, there were only nine. As well. There were nine. So I, I had a pic. I just went through my, like, old Facebook post. And I saw this picture that I took of nine Japanese whiskeys. And I was like, the largest Japanese whiskey selection in Texas. <laughs> it was just, like, nine bottles. And, you know, now we're over 100. And, uh, you know, I was like, wow, we've come a long way in just a few years. Um, and mama, uh, look at us now. Look at us with all our bottles. Yeah, this is great. I love and it. And now, actually, once we hit a hundred, and I was like, to my research, that we were the largest, widest selection in America. I was like, now I don't care. You know, like I have. There are several discontinued. A lot of it's discontinued. We can't get it anymore. And I was like, as they disappear off my shelf. Hibiki. Yeah, is it the twelve-year or something that got discontinued? Aren't really being brought in um mm. people might find some every now and then but it's not it's not mm. regularly coming in through the proper distribution channels coming in on that gray market i have like a bottle i have pro i think i have a bottle each maybe like hiding and i'm just because i never priced them higher you know the a, a pour of hibiki 12 is was looking at like 75 bucks elsewhere and we kept it 
low. We kept it at like 30, 35 or something. We just didn't just didn't increase it. You know, I was like, you know, going back to what you said earlier, I was like, because not many people come here, I, was, I just figured I'd price everything lower. It's fine. Hell yeah. Um, so uh, some, some of our Japanese uh, whiskey shots are half the price or less than other bars around town. Um, but we're doing okay. You know, we still have the hundred people come in. They, they get, you know, they get to try some of things. Um, and I think it's because we're a little more casual type of place and it's more of a restaurant. And so the people who chase these fancy liquors and spirits that would normally go to a big name bar, such as Anvil or maybe Rosewater, they don't come to Ninja Ramen very often. And so the people who are prepared to drop $200 for a shot. It's for the heads. It's for the people like it's an if you know, you know situation. Right. And because because we don't get a lot of those people, we get normal people. They're new. They're newer to it. So I don't want to bombard them with like, oh, you don't get to try it unless you have $200. So I was like, hey, if you have $40, I know it's pricey, but it's a lot better than the $160 or whatever it is somewhere else. Do you think that whiskey is a good pairing with ramen though? Like how do they work with one another? Or is it just kind of like these two very delicious things that happen to be in the same establishment? So I think so many Asian food, if you go to Asia, almost all the cuisines pair super well with beer. Yeah, no, 100%. Light, lightly bitter beer. And, you know, the noodles and soups and stuff always just go well with beer. So traditionally restaurants and stuff haven't tried to pair spirits and cocktails with their food uh i've never seen it really attempted anywhere in asia so when we did it here i wanted to you know i i think is it's more like i don't think that it has i don't think whiskey pairs better with ramen than beer i think beer a nice ice cold beer is just perfect um I think that you can certainly enjoy both of them simultaneously. Um, it's just not the same thing as the refreshing beer, you know. Um, maybe as a highball, you can uh, yeah maybe mimic that kind of like right that that appeal, right? right. Like the effervescence, effervescence is there. Absolutely, right? I think champagne works pretty well, but I think carbonation just has a lot to do with it. And so whiskey is heavy. Oh, another thing that is really big about whiskey drinking, uh, Asian whiskey drinking, is that almost all of them were designed by the blender um, to be drunk with dilution. Nobody, when they're blending it, they're intending for you to add water to it or ice. No one's intending for you to drink it neat. You can drink I like to drink it neat for the first sip or two to just like fully you know, get all of it in. And then after that, I will add water because that's how they wanted me. You know, that's how they formulated it to be drunken. Um, so for like Nika from the barrel, like that relatively newer release uh -huh. where it is clocking in at a higher proof, it's right, right. Uh, cask strength or whatever. So like for something like that, how much are you diluting it? So a lot of, a lot of uh, Japanese bars, if you go... If you drink it in a Japanese bar, they'll add water to it. They'll add, but it's, I don't know if there's a formula, you know, a, a standard. Yeah, I don't think there's really. a standard. I like to add a decent amount, uh, probably like two parts whiskey, one part 
um, one part water. Agua. Yeah, yeah. agua. Um, I like to do that. Um, but a lot of highballs are two to one. Um, two, like two parts soda water to one part whiskey. Um, I think it's. Are you an iced man? Do you do you ice your highballs, or do you do you do your highballs sans ice? I've always added ice. Mm. I've always added. What about ice. the lemon? But see, like, so I do mine two to one, and so I think you know with the melting of the ice, it's still fine. Um, I think, I think the Anvil Group did a three to. They do three to one, and I that's why they di- really disliked. Um, the Toki highball with Topo Chico. They're like, ah, it's too salty, blah, blah, blah. So they use like Mountain Valley spring water. Um, I like Topo. I love Topo with Toki, but I do two to one ratio. And so you have less of that saltiness, I guess, the saline flavor punching through just because there's less of it. Um, so yeah. because based on the ratio, I like it with Topo. Um, and Have you ever done one with a Vichy Catalan gotten really twisted and like, Use some Vichy in there? I haven't tried that. Um, I'm really trying to... I actually have a friend in Taiwan. I'm trying to get Kavalon. So Kavalon, the Asian, the Taiwanese whiskey, their mm-hmm. parent company, they actually make water. So they also make their own... They have hmm. their own spring water. That's sick. So I'm trying to get that water brought over so I can use that with my whiskey. That would be dope. That would be very sick. Asian mountain spring water, you know? Uh, I thought that would be really, really cool. Hell yeah. <laughs> You know, something that I think about when it comes to Ninja Ramen is kind of like the very irreverent kind of approach you take to running the bar. Like if someone goes to your website, they can see some very funny shit that you've posted, you know, like literal Michelin tires, the secret recipe to your ramen, right? Yeah. You, you've got that listed there. You say you put crack in it. Yes. You know, I mean, there's a very irreverent take on a lot of these things. It's clear that you don't take it crazy seriously or too seriously is probably the better way to phrase it um because you are like detail oriented you give a shit but you're not gonna waste time and energy caring about shit that doesn't matter right so like how what how did you formulate that kind of approach to hospitality i don't know okay so uh oh man i can go my biggest thing the reason why i'm in hospitality is because of hospitality that's the most important part of everything to me um, I just like putting things in people's, you know, I just chose the channel where I put things in, in people's mouths. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say for, for listeners at home, you can interpret that phrase however you want. <laughs> he yeah. just likes putting things in people's mouths. I like mouths. putting my noodle yeah. in people's mouths. Uh, so, you know, like this, <laughs> the, the, the reason why I do this is because I find it fun and I want to give people an enjoyable experience. I think the experience is a lot more important than your product. Um, because, you know, think about in the bartending world, there are lots of great bartenders that can't make a single cocktail to save their lives, right? They might make the world's worst old fashioned. They might not know how to make an old fashioned, but they're a great bartender because it's not about the product that you put in there. You know, you serve your customer. It's the service. It's the conversation. It's the feeling, the ambience, right? The friendship, the banter, whatever it is. And I think that's true with anything, especially the whole millennial um, mindset now where people are chasing experiences more than they are material possessions, 
right? People say, hey, the vacation's more important than like having a $4,000 couch or whatever it is. And I think that that's very true. And, you know, when you eat my food, you're pooping it out several hours later. Several hours. Right? You drink the thing. You're pissing it out. I think I think most people's GI tracks work a little bit different. It's more than a couple hours. I don't know what you're putting in it's there. More than a few hours. It's more than a few hours. But you know, like you you don't get to keep it for more than a, a day. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's momentary. It's it's ephemeral in your mouth, and and then it's it's the OG NFT right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I'm like. You know, like, yes, it's great to give people something that they enjoy that tastes good. Obviously, that's super, super important. But at the same time, it's about the experience because they're going to remember, hey, it was good. But can they recall the exact taste and flavor? Probably, maybe not, you know, more likely not. But they will remember, I had a really good time there, you know. And I also think when people go to a place to eat or drink, they're going out to have fun. They're going to enjoy. No, very few people are going out to have a bad time, right? So when they come over, I want to, you know what? I'm going to tell you jokes. I'm going to give you humor. I'm going to give you an enjoyable time, whether that's with funny little quips, whether I have like signs in the bathrooms that say, hey, you just touched your ding dong, wash your hands. Uh, that's a great you sign. Know, like, that's truly the best wash your hand sign in existence is, is that one. That's... <laughs> Hands down, my favorite bathroom sign I've ever encountered in my life is yours. So. I, it keeps on getting stolen. People <laughs> steal it. And so I have to remake it several well, times. Well, good thing it's like literally handwritten on a piece of like 8 by 11, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we, we've been laminating it just because it's in oh, the restroom. That's good. It's in the splash uh, You know, so, I don't yeah. want the pee splashes to get on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's it's a lot of... Yes, there's a, definitely a reverence, but it's just I want to I want to do this because I want to have fun. I'm clearly not in it to make a lot of money to get rich. If I wanted to get rich, I would have opened a taco shop. It's really it's is that the secret? Is that the secret to wealth here in Houston? Is tacos in Houston? You open a taco joint and you sell it, gear it to white people. You sell gringo tacos. You will make a lot of money. Velvet taco, torchies. You know, like you will make money. Sell, sell them a $6 taco. People will be happy to pay for it. Throw if some avo on oh, there, charge $6. Yeah, the white people yeah, be coming. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's, it's rub, it's ribeye. Oh, wow, amazing. And they're happy to, and I'm not saying the food's bad. I think they're a lot of these gringo tacos are great. But what I'm saying is like, that's how you, if you wanted to make, if I wanted to make money, I would have been selling like Wagyu tacos, you know? Mm. Um, that's what I would have done. Uh, instead, a bowl of ramen is less than like spaghetti and meatballs, but the, the the process in making ramen versus spaghetti and meatballs is maybe yeah. 10, 20 times more involved and costly. You know, my food cost is probably three times that of uh, spaghetti and meatballs. And that's largely as a result of like labor costs and stuff like that. And for listeners at home that haven't been to Ninja Ramen, the style of ramen that you do is Asahikawa, right? It, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, Asahikawa. So like, what? how is that different? Because it's kind of like a tonkotsu base, right? Tonkotsu is a, if you break it down, ton means pig, uh, kotsu means bone. So pork bone. So they, you boil pork bones for a long time. Um, generally, that refers to a type of ramen that comes from uh, a southern part of Japan. Uh, the one we do is from the island of Hokkaido, uh, also where Sapporo 
uh, is the capital of, of Hokkaido. Northern part of Japan. Right. Northern Island. And there's a second largest city. There's a city called Asaikawa. And their style is a lighter version of that. So it's it's a seafood and uh, seaweed, fish, as, as well as pork bone based broth. Um, they also are really big on uh, miso. Uh, but ramen in Japan is also constantly evolving as well. So uh, one particular style of that was to forego the miso and just use a salt to to make it salty. So we do a shio style Asahikawa ramen. The closest uh, well-known Asahikawa chain is called Santoka. Uh, they have one in Dallas. They have numerous in, on the West Coast. I had it in, in LA for the first time. My friend took me there and I was like, Man, this this is really good, uh, and so I that's what actually how I learned about that style of ramen, and that's the reason why we're doing that here at Ninja Ramen. Um, but yeah, you know, ramen takes forever to make. Our eggs take five days. The pork takes two days. Uh, the broth is you got to boil for hours and hours. We we were using this twenty hour process. Uh, we've shortened it now, but. Uh, we figured out some other way to cheat that. Um, we have we bought this like thirty thousand dollar pressure cooker. Uh, really? It's crazy. Um, yeah, pressure. You, this pressure are, cooker. Are those, is that something you had learned that you could use this particular device for like ramen or soup broths or things like that, or was this something you kind of like just like came across, learned about, and and basically tried I, to do it like. I wanted to do it. I couldn't do it because they didn't, I couldn't find a large pressure cooker hmm. um, for years. So we were doing it conventionally for a while until we found this place that made semi custom pressure cookers that you could fit, fit two people inside. Um, we haven't pressure cooked anybody inside yet. When someone knocks over the bottle of uh, the soloist from Kavalon, when someone knocks over a bottle of the, uh, the <laughs> BK 17 year, that's, that's when someone ends up inside the pressure cooker. Yeah. The, the, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the, uh, the punishment. No, they're the pressure cookers are it. And it was a big adjustment you know how it cooks is is different too and so we had to make a, a lot of adjustments on it it actually made the flavor too flavorful it was too good it was it was, it was really strange it's too weird. we've discovered so basically when you cook in a pot when it vapor when you when it boils uh, a lot of the flavor compounds actually leave the pot you know as it boils out you smell it it's it leaves with a pressure cooker it traps all of it inside. So after the whole thing's done, there's actually a lot more flavor compounds still within that broth. Uh, yeah. So we had to shorten our time to, to cook just to handle it. And uh, anyway, it was a whole whole ordeal. That's wild. I, I didn't even think about that, the evaporation factor. Yeah, I didn't. We couldn't figure Like, it required me to, like, think science for a while, <laughs> for a bit to, like, why is it so much like more intense? <laughs> One thing I do want to talk about real quick is you had opened a pho joint and notably you were doing a different style of pho than what was available in the market. And when I say the market, I mean here in Houston. Here in America. So in America, there's very few, relatively few people from North Vietnam. The When, when the war happened, 
all the refugees were fleeing southern Vietnam. And so all the, the majority of Vietnamese immigrants and the families thereof are all from South Vietnam. Um, so we have fewer northern Vietnamese people. We have I haven't hadn't even seen northern Vietnamese restaurants here anywhere in Texas at all. There are a few in California. There were a couple in New York City, and that's it that I could that I could find at all. Um, and it, which it makes total sense. And because they just didn't have their own people to to become their customers. Right. Yeah. So even if there were northern Vietnamese people here, if they opened a Vietnamese restaurant, it, they would probably gear it towards other southern Vietnamese. Um, so it, it when I opened my shop and I did a northern Vietnamese style pho, um, I had to talk to a few northern Vietnamese people and be like, does this remind you of your mom's pho? You know, <laughs> like, like, what does what is this like? Um, and a lot of them have never had it other than from like their one parent, you know, their that that's, parent that's from North Vietnam. But a lot of southern Vietnamese people, you know, have also never had it at all. And they didn't know it was a, even a thing. And for uh, listeners so that are new. unfamiliar with the difference, maybe we can quickly clarify for them the difference between northern the and southern pho. Between northern and southern pho, uh, from the northern Vietnamese pho and southern Vietnamese pho, primarily was that northern Vietnamese was poorer than South Vietnam, and so they had less for they you know uh, toppings. So they didn't have the basil, they don't have the bean sprouts. It's just beef, broth, and noodles. Uh, they would put onions in it, and that's it. Hmm. Like, what about all the else. spices, like the star anise? Some of the so other... the, the spices are very the spices are very similar, except they didn't put sugar. Hmm. So northern Vietnamese pho, northern pho is a lot less sweet. Uh, southern pho will always, almost always, have a fair amount of uh, rock sugar. Uh, hmm. They're also more likely to put more fish sauce uh, in the flavoring as well. The northern pho is just a lighter, a simpler product, but it, but because of the lack of the other additions to it, the broth is king, and it's much more about the beef. So they care about like a nice beefy flavor, without the sweetness, without the less herbaceous uh, flavors to it. But also because you have all those fewer things to doctor them. The broth has to be good on its own. Yeah, I can't hide behind you know, anything because else. you can't cover it up. Yeah, you can't cover it up. You don't squeeze three limes into it, and you don't. They don't do hoisin sauce. They don't give you sriracha. And when you say they don't, none of that is available. That meant when you opened your shop, you also did that, right? Right. So I also I did not have sriracha. I didn't have hoisin sauce. I didn't have any of the things. That's and like that a burger a joint struggle. not having ketchup, right? I mean, for a lot of people, right? Like right. There's like a pe like a pizza shop not having pepperoni pizza. Yo, real quick, uh, for listeners at home, Chris just tilted his camera down a little bit. Are you rocking a Supreme box logo shirt? So, oh, Supreme. Supreme. Oh, sick. So sick. this is a custom shirt that I make. Uh, it's gonna be our Ninja Ramen shirt. This is a prototype. Dang. Um, but it's the Supreme, but it's spelled S O U P R E M E. I love it. I love it. There's gonna be a line out your door before you guys open with a bunch of like incel sneakerheads like waiting to buy their box logo shirt. I'm I'm here for it. This is gonna be great. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> oh, for sure. No, one hundred percent. 
So you open the shop without those things. I mean, going back to that idea, though, of hospitality, where you're like, it's about creating an experience for people. Was that in any way challenging, like challenging people and pushing them out of their comfort zone a little bit by not giving them the creature comforts they associate with pho? Even though historically, traditionally, this is a different style. So, so here's kind of a struggle, and I feel a little guilty about it, is I love educating people. And so if you come in and this is the first time having it and you haven't had this, I love telling you why we're doing something. It's a little different. It's it's uh, an experience that you haven't had before. And I hope you enjoy it. Um, what I do feel guilty is, uh, is after a while, my staff has to repeatedly tell this. And maybe they don't want to repeat it over and over and over again. And they're like, can we not just do things normally? Uh <laughs> <laughs> And that was so, me refusing to carry Napa cab at uh, the wine bar that I ran. Like the staff was just like, can we please bring one on? Cause we're tired of telling people that you don't want to serve Napa cab. And I was like, all right, <laughs> cool. So we finally, we finally caved and we, we started carrying some. So. Yeah. And I, I get it. And uh, you know, when originally I, so at flying pho, the, my pho restaurant is no longer uh, we shut down a little bit before COVID before the pandemic. And numbers wise, we were kind of doing okay. I think we were just in a weird spot where 80% of our sales uh, was all takeout. And we had a huge space, uh, you know, that could seat over like 60 people and no one was dining in and everyone was doing takeout. Everyone was doing the third party delivery services. So, you know, I was doing, you know, I, you were a trendsetter, baby. You were doing the to go only model before to go only right, was a thing. Right. And so, yeah, and think of Ninja Ramen where we were like, oh, Ninja Masks? And, you know, people were yeah. like, is that a thing? Or like, it's been a thing. <laughs> That's funny. Um, That's wild. But yeah, we were just paying staff to be there to take care of non-existing dine-in customers. Mm. And so we're like, you know what? Let's go to a spot that's to-go only since we're already 80% takeout. And so we were trying to get a spot. We subleased the the you know original spot out and then someone outbid us for the our to go only spot and Dang. then the pandemic happened so i still haven't reopened i'm still trying to reopen uh i'm still looking for a spot right now but not in a rush uh because of this whole pandemic thing yeah it's wild. Uh, it, it kind of changed the whole ecosystem a little bit so i'm not in a rush to reopen for a lot of people in restaurants right now the the biggest change has been the struggle to bring in staff and find people have you encountered that same issue no not at all and I think this makes me sound like I'm proud of myself. Uh, less so. <laughs> I, I, you should be proud of yourself. You just got nominated for a best bar in the city, right? Didn't yeah. you just get a shout out in Culture Map? Gave us a nomination for Bar of the Years. I'm super stoked about that. Uh, looking at the fellow nominees, I'm like, oh, those are really good bars. There's no way we can actually compare to them. Like, great just to be mentioned next alongside them, you know? But I think I treated my staff really well. As a human, as human beings, and so when we are back, they all came back. You know, I retained my full staff, and they asked, they all asked for more hours. You know, and I've been struggling to expand my hours. Um, we are just now starting to like reopen to our full six days a week that we used to do. I'm opening a bar, uh, a, a second bar, just so I can have more shifts for my staff. That's wild. Is that a BTG exclusive? Have you announced that you're opening the second bar? I have not announced it publicly, no. So, Yo, BTG exclusive right here, baby. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. For the 18 million listeners at home, here we go. I love it. 
I, is it I, is it a Ninja Ramen 2.0? What's the vibe? Yeah, so this is this is gonna be real fun. So I've talked to a couple of friends about the name, and uh, I've I've shopped the name around a little bit. But basically, I'm doing the world's smallest shot bar, and it's going to be right behind Ninja Ramen. We're doing 48 square feet. Okay, it's six feet wide by eight feet long. Uh, that's enough for two people, two guests, three. If you're really, all four of you are really, really skinny, I can get four of you in. Yo, fuck social distancing. Yeah. No six feet. This is you're on top of one another. Your sardines in the can, baby. You're you're right on top yeah. of one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shots. I love it. it. It's six by eight. You know, it's teeny tiny. Yeah, that's wild. So we're going to do this as a shot bar. So what's really fun about it is, you know, I miss college days and those stupid shots right the captain america the lindsey lohan's the what's the lindsey lohan shot i'm unfamiliar with that one can you walk me through that one well do you really not know it <laughs> is it is it like a line of coke and it's, it's uh, a red-headed slut with coke <laughs> there we go now we know now we know this is why we pod <laughs> yeah uh but Anyway, You're an educator. You're an educator, right? That's what you love doing. So you know, here you are educating me. Stuff from our college years is just like nostalgia from those type of things. Flaming Dr. Peppers. Like I never see those again. And I think that COVID also said, hey, you shouldn't do flaming. You know, you shouldn't spit fire anymore. I don't know exactly how we're going to navigate that, but we're going to try to figure something out. Maybe I'll use a flamethrower. I have no idea. What's the um? What's the Valhalla that you do at uh, Ninja Ramen? Can you walk listeners through My that? My Valhalla shot. Oh, that was real cool. So that was based on the Mad Max Fury Road t- uh, movie. Shout out George Miller, the god. Shout out Charlize Theron. Fantastic <laughs> film. Yeah, wonderful. It was a really good one. Better than the original. It was great. It was an amazing movie. In the, in the movie, as the zealots i guess uh were about to do some self self-sacrificial suicidal actions they would spray themselves with a tonic in their mouths and it was like chrome uh chrome flavored or chrome colored so i've got some silver edible food coloring and uh you would spray your mouth uh with it and then shout for valhalla and then we gave you a shot of a scandinavian aquavit mixed with a scandinavian fernet hell yeah and we mixed the two together and you just had to you shoot shoot that. And it was, yeah, it was fun interactive. We have several interactive uh, drinks at Ninja Ramen. And again, it's it's about the experience. You know, when people, hopefully when people leave, they're like, that was a fun time. We did things at that bar we haven't done elsewhere. We saw things at that bar we haven't seen. There was an Asian guy with a cowboy hat singing George Strait, you know. I love it. I love it. What's it, name one other interactive shot for people at home for the listeners at home? What else? What else are we packing? Uh, shout out to Anvil. Uh, so I have an Anvil shot there. Are, are you familiar with the Anvil shot? I don't know the Anvil shot. I'm familiar with the bar. Okay, but, um, so Anvil the bar. We dressed up. We dressed up Ninja Ramen the whole bar as Anvil the bar in for Halloween in 2016. I remember that. There's uh, a there's a hilarious video of you impersonating every staff member there. I, yeah, I impersonated all the bartenders there and then we dressed up, uh we put anvil a, a giant banner of of an anvil outside um and we made riffs on their signature drinks uh for Halloween. But we also have a tribute shot. So anybody can order an anvil shot and what we do is we pour a shot of whiskey with a dash of bitters and then after we pour that shot 
we set it at the back bar and we hold out, we set a timer for 10 minutes. And when that 10 minutes is up, we give you the drink and say, Hey, sorry, it took a while. We've been pretty busy. Uh, hey, 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 I love that. That is great. That is, that is fucking gold. Just a subtle is, tease yeah. for how busy and money-making Anvil is. That's, that's great. That's so funny. But it's only a dollar. <laughs> it's like that's a dollar funny. day shot. That's great. <laughs> I'm gonna order. I'm gonna order one of those for sure next time I come in. Yeah, come by and get an ample shot. So before I let you go, one thing that is really important is that anyone that knows you knows that your hairstyle changes with the weather. Um, I feel like every time I see you, there's a new style, there's a new look. At the moment, you've got you've got quite the do going on. Um, you used to have beautiful platinum blonde locks, very long hair. And then you chopped it all off and now you've got this new hairstyle. Can you just walk people through kind of your approach to quaffing your hair? Kind of uh, what, what, what the uh, daily regimen is for maintaining this magical mane. I need to know. So I think, I think well, this thing is all natural. So this is amazing. It's not natural. I got a perm. So I, I, I spent $280 on a perm. It took four and a half hours. Uh, is that a is that a normal amount or did did you have to pay extra because you I paid don't... extra. This is this is a lot more. And the reason why is most perms don't require as many uh, coils, rods, and curlers. As an Asian man, I went to an Asian salon um, because the chemistry, uh, I guess the chemicals and stuff like that. It's you know Asian hair is different from white hair, different from black people hair. Um, so I had to go to someone who knows how to handle my hair. But it's not common for uh asian people to have afros so i had to go there and kind of show them certain youtube clips on how to do this and i brought them pipe cleaners like the arts and crafts pipe cleaners yeah 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 and they used pipe cleaners to coil my hair around because the normal rods are too wide gauge and so i'd end up with oh, a wow. jerry curl more so than like this really tight uh spiral it, do you go to the same Asian hair salon like for all of your stuff? Like when you used to bleach your hair blonde, like would you go to the no, same so spot those, that you went to this time? Or? The, the, this one was different. My previous hairstylist is our, my good friend Jordan. She does coloring, she does cuts and stuff, but I don't. They don't really do perms. Um, so I went to a different place for that. Uh, but she did my when I got a bihawk, like double mohawk that ended in a rat tail she did that one she did my bullet where i had a chili bowl cut in the front and then a mullet in the back this is wild we've <laughs> i've done i've done a bunch of different things and i love it it's it's uh you know it's like fashion for your head instead of through your clothes uh, i think i was i don't say oppressed but i didn't get an opportunity to do a lot of weird hairstyles when i was younger why not uh just we were poor so we went to the same hairstylist that gave us cuts for like $7 <laughs> and uh, they just do like two, it's just either a bowl cut or like a fade. And that's pretty much <laughs> what I got for, for $6 and we tipped her for like, tipped her a dollar, you know? So like, what was your first like haircut where you were like, I've got a little bag, I've got my own money now. I've always wanted to kind of like do my hair up. Do you remember the first? Oh, as soon as I got a credit card. In college, I started racking up debt getting... I permed my hair in college. I did cornrows in college. Uh, I cut my hair in the shape of a... I got a mohawk in the shape of a lightning bolt. That was Harry Potter themed or... 
No, this was before Harry Potter came out. Dang, dog. Yeah. I, I don't even know. It, it's Yeah, just did everything. You know, I dyed my hair. I had the, the bangs only, like really long bangs. Love it. Without Love that. It. But this is before all the uh, Mexican gangs started doing that. <laughs> and yeah, and I had it dyed blonde. So I just had blonde <sighs> bangs with the rest of my head shaved. You know, straight up Mexican gangster. And when you tried making a go of it as a TV actor, uh, what was your hairstyle then? It was just long. So at that point, it was just, just, long. just long hair. My hair looks pretty good when it's healthy, when I don't have it chemically processed. For listeners at home, his hair looks very healthy. It looks very, <laughs> very beautiful and luscious. I, it's magical. I wish you could see it right now. But unfortunately, podcasting is an audio format. There's no visual element. It'll We'll save it for behind the paywall. We'll save it for the OnlyFans. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, it looked great back when I was, when I was, uh, had it long and virgin black hair. It was, it was, I love it. It, it was, uh, I, I would, I would condition it, deep condition it. Um, I would mask it, you know, I would, uh, do a, uh, coconut oil and then wrap it in a towel and just sleep overnight with it. And you had some luscious fucking hair. You had some luscious don't wash hair. your hair more often than twice a week if you don't have like unless you have the greasiest scalp ever. But otherwise, I only do it like twice a week max. The real the real Chris Paul Doyen heads out there know that I I condition daily. But I shampoo like once every like week, once every two weeks. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. This, right, yeah. shampoo because the shampoo is what strips. Shampoo dries it out. Yeah. Right. So yeah, don't shampoo your hair. More my hair's so curly. I gotta, I gotta condition it every day. So oh, yeah. otherwise, I end up with like super like yeah, it's rough. So, <laughs> and I've been doing a lot of like swimming, and that like strips the hair of a oh, lot yeah. of like shit. So yeah, oh, not yeah. ideal. For sure. So real quick, is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to make sure we got a chance to share with people? Like, again, because I edit this, I can always put something back into the conversation, you know, but is there anything that we didn't discuss either related to the bar or unrelated to the bar that you really wanted to like share with the audience at home? Uh, oh, I didn't talk about my new bar's name. And concept. Oh yeah, it's a shot bar, but it's a shot bar. But we're also going to do craft cocktails in shot form. So How I don't does know. That work? Like nobody else is going to serve Boulevardiers and Ramos Gen Fizz as a shot, but we will. How are you? How are you doing that? Are you batching the drinks and then pouring them into shot glasses, or you just have a thimble? Because I'm only serving like two, three people at a time. It's okay for me to take a little while to do it. You have my, you have my, your bartender's full attention. I'm making, you know, like if I make one standard Boulevardi, it fits into like two shots, right? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. So we're batching some of the fancier stuff, uh, but some of the easier stuff we can just do like Alaminut and um, Ramos Gin Fizz. We're probably gonna, we're gonna use a little blender for it. I'm really excited. I get to introduce craft cocktails to the shot drinkers, which doesn't happen. So super excited about that. So what's the ETA on that? When 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 is it expected to open? I was trying to open it July, but lumber prices are crazy. Lumber prices have fallen 27% in the last 2 weeks. So I'm going to wait out another 
couple weeks to see this happen so that I can save myself a lot of money. And then if I can get it, to, you know, wait for lumber prices to come down, then I can build out this bar uh, a lot cheaper. So hopefully in the next couple months, I've been saying a couple months for a couple months now, but now this one, it definitely seems, I was like, all right, I think I get, I literally will get to save like $3,000. So Hey, that, that's a lot of hairdos. That's a <laughs> lot of firms, <laughs> right? Lot, I mean, it's a lot of hairdo. Uh, but the name of the bar is going to be, because it's a small shot bar, it's going to be called Toy Gun Pew Pew Saloon. Hey, I love it. I love it. The Pew Pew, the onomatopoeia. You yeah. got to love it. Yeah. It's going to be then, good. Uh, we're going to, it's going to be a saloon. So we're going to have saloon doors and I've always wanted saloon doors. Ooh, like, saloon doors. Love Then you can have villains come in. You can have villains come in that like swing the doors wide open. Very dramatic. Yeah, they got to do it. But if you bang the saloon doors too loud you have to buy like a certain type of shot maybe or whatever like the villain shot yeah i don't know we're gonna our only food item is going to be a uh pew pew platter <laughs> that's gonna be like a redneck charcuterie board so kind of like slim jims cut in little pieces maybe spray canned cheese on ritz crackers it'll be really fun i think and so i'm excited for that uh i'm looking into i don't know how much space i have exactly but I might have enough space for a like a frozen machine. But instead of doing a frozen like margarita type thing, I want to do yeah. frosties like chocolate frosty milkshake. Ooh, yeah. And then uh, I will have an air fryer there with fries, so I can literally serve you four fries in an alcoholic frosty cup because that's like the combination frosty and fries that's all you want yeah uh and now you can get it here you go boozy Yo, frosty and fries well chris thank you so much for joining us on by the glass let people know where they can find you on social media what do you want to plug real quick uh i have ninjaramen.com ninjaramen houston on instagram we will start a tiktok soon for the toy gun pew pew saloon bar once that happens uh right now i don't have a tiktok but uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm building a repertoire, like a, a catalog of videos for this. Uh, and they should be funny enough, hopefully. And, uh, I love TikTok. TikTok is the future. If you didn't really? know, TikTok is the future of the next three years of social media. It's TikTok. Sell me on TikTok for someone that is very hesitant to like invest my time and energy in a new social media platform. Absolutely. Like why should, why should I? Why should I do TikTok? Right, it's a Gen Z thing. It's a. It's barely a millennial thing. Why is it good for everybody else, particularly businesses? Their algorithm, the way they feed it, to your video, your content to other people, is just in a much better way. In a, it can reach so many more people than the other channels. Instagram can't reach people like tiktok can your facebook you're limited to your people and people who share yeah if you only get like 10 shares you only you know it only got sent to like three thousand people that's it uh instagram requires yeah. people to share or repost uh tiktok does that for you so if you post something and someone finds it funny and they like it they interact tiktok will take go through the efforts to show that to more people and if they interact positively yeah. they show that to more people there's no no shadow banning. Right. Yeah. And, there, and there's no Facebook or Instagram thing that right now that can spread to millions of people in one day. If your content is good, it gets shared because you don't it doesn't require personal connection. It just requires mm -hmm. interest. Uh, so yeah. I think that's what's really important. So, you know, 
if I share something business related, you know, like a, a food item, like, oh, I got a new menu item. Uh, and people think, oh, that looks really, really tasty. That's really, really good. They like it on Facebook. That'll only be the people who know that person will know that yeah. this exists. But if that happens on TikTok, it blows up, it spreads everywhere. And it's also great for time travel. If you ever wanted to time travel, TikTok is great. Uh, you open up TikTok, it's 4 p.m. Swipe, 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 all of a sudden it's midnight. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! I just, I just traveled eight hours. And you just went in the future. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Appreciate it. Uh, before you go, Chris, do you have any more questions for me? One quick question I have for you is: sure. I want to make sure in the intro that I record for the app, I want to pronounce your last name exactly correctly. Is it Huang or is it Huang? I want to make sure I do it right. It's Huang, like Huang. Yeah, okay. you said it right the first Huang. time. It's like a Wong. Right. Uh, with an H sound in front of it. Um, fun fact: If you ever meet someone with the last name W O N G, Wong, uh, that's yeah. the Cantonese version of the same Chinese character as my last mm. name. So we'd actually share the same last name, but this is the Mandarin pronunciation is Huang, and then the Cantonese pronunciation is Wong. Mm. Yeah. Your and your family they get a kick out of the fact that you're Chinese cooking Japanese ramen from Hokkaido. Like that's like, like, what's their thoughts on all that? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, they, they were just happy I found something finally in, in my <laughs> in my life. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I thought it's funny because I'm like, I'm a, you know, I'm a Chinese guy making Japanese food in, you know, like a white dominant uh, state, right? And, uh, yeah. but I'm doing, I'm doing it, and. Uh, so far, I, I think I'm doing an all right job, you know, like, dude, you're fucking crushing it. Like, I'm, do yeah, I'm doing OK. I'm not I'm not shaming anybody, uh, you know, bringing shame to bringing dishonor to to any cuisine that I can uh, think of. So I'm uh, I'm OK with that. <laughs> well, you haven't started serving the uh, redneck charcuterie board, so don't speak too soon about bringing shame to that's, cuisine yet. That's we'll true. See. We'll see on that. Um, but the Slim I, you know, Jim family will be very, very concerned once they see right, when they the see, presentation. Well, when, right? when they come meet me in person, they see me wearing chaps, just walking around the street outside. <laughs> I think they're just going to like turn around and be like, whatever. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Hell yeah, dog. All right. Cool, dude. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, man. Good to talk to you. And that is our show. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Christopher for hopping on the pod with me. And... Thank you to those of you that have written reviews in the past about this show. If you haven't gone and smashed that five-star review button, it really does help other people find the show. You can stream every episode of By the Glass ever recorded on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher. So subscribe if you aren't already subscribing. And if you haven't been to Ninja Ramen, please go pay Christopher a visit. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week with another episode.